Julian Pensavale. Patrick Hines. I forgot about it again. <laughs> you took me by surprise again. How do I? We do it every week. How do? How am I forgetting? How is it always a shock to me? Look what's in front of you for the first time in a little while. I know we, you guys, I'm moving. So we've been recording in a studio and we have not had the garbage bell in weeks and weeks and weeks. Well, Welcome back, bitch. Um, <laughs> well, you know, you did forget your recorder last week. So <laughs> it's, a, you know, moving is hard. You're scattered. So I get hard. it, girl. Girl, a couple of announcements. Yes. You guys. When it comes to the Patreon, it is going so well. Hey, Patreon fam. Hey. Um, we are having such a good time with the staircase, but here's here's what we're doing, you guys. This last episode that we did with the staircase, staircase episode seven, was the last one that we're going to do by itself. We're going to do episodes eight and nine together, 10 and 11 together, 12 and 13 together. Mm-hmm. We're going to sort of get through this. Right. And then what are we doing next? Oh, my God, you guys. Should we tell the people? Should I give them a hint? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Give a hint. Okay. Um. Killed them all, of course. The Jinx! <laughs> you guys, it's the Jinx! We're doing the Jinx! So we've got three oh. more weeks to the staircase and then right into the Jinx, you guys. Is he wearing black contacts or is he just a lizard person? <laughs> we'll find out together. <laughs> Robert Durst. Where oh is Kathleen God. Durst? Remind me to go looking for her right after we're done recording today. I almost just dropped the microphone. They never found her body. No, they, they don't know where she is. Jesus Christ. I know. It's going to be a laugh riot, you guys. <laughs> You guys, we're also expanding the Patreon. So in addition to the weekly full bonus episodes, we're like getting really serious about these interviews that we're doing. I'm yeah, obsessed with it. I know. So we booked the author Diane Fanning, who wrote the book uh, Written in Blood, which mm. is sort of the My- Michael Peterson probably did it version of The Staircase. Yeah, you were telling me there are some deets in there. I'm learning a lot of stuff that The Staircase left out. The tea is scalding hot, apparently. Yeah. So you guys, we are doing that interview with Diane Fanning this month. We're going to have it up by the end of the month. Join the Patreon and find out what the staircase did not tell you about how maybe Michael Peterson really did it. So this is what we're doing, you guys. We're going to start interviewing the directors of the documentary we cover on the regular feed. We're talking to the Jesus Camp people. Mm. We have invites out to everybody. So we're not stopping doing anything. We're just adding more stuff. Right. That's something to keep in mind. (laughs) We're not replacing anything. We're just throwing content at you through your phone. Because I want to work 89 hours a week. Sure. I want to make an episode a day. That's what I want to do. Great. And girl, why don't you just tell the people what we're going to do after the gym? We're doing Making a Murderer. Because how could we possibly not? I mean, every time I see a request for it in the group, I'm just like, girl, we're doing Like, I promise you we're doing it. But now the official announcement. So the staircase, we're doubling up on that. Then the jinx, then Making a Murderer. And that should hold you guys over for a little bit (laughs) with all the interviews and all the fun stuff. All right, girl. Okay. (laughs) What are we talking about today? Um, some just buffoonery, pretty much. We're talking about a murder in the park. It's a bunch of bullshit as far as I'm concerned. Did you work on that on the way here? No. Buffoonery. I've never heard you say that before. I know. It's a really excellent word. It was like last week when I referred to the male digit. I know. People are losing their shit over it. The Wiener app was a good app. What can I say? You guys, his name is Wiener and he sent dick pics. I don't know what to tell you. The jokes about themselves. Free a wrongfully convicted man 48 hours away from being executed has got to be the great dream of any reporter anywhere. There was one problem, though. It was one big lie. A bunch of kids who had taken a course on journalism dug up the information that was there available to the police. We went and we reenacted the crime, and we found out that the eyewitness couldn't have seen it at all. They were heroes. The case was a pivotal moment in the abolition of the death penalty in Illinois. I'm commuting the sentence of all death row inmates. I said, there's something going on, but what's going on is not what you see on TV. The journalism professor intentionally leaves out the most important fact of all. They seized on the name of a guy with no evidence and concluded he was the real killer. He tells me that a man is getting ready to die for something I did. She told us that she had been there when her husband committed the crime. I heard two gunshots. Totally inconsistent. The victims were shot five times. How many shots did you hear? Really three, maybe four. I don't know. This case had a motive behind it bigger than the crime. I was in the wrong place at the wrong time. These guys are saying they'll help me get out of prison. They'll say whatever they want me to say. We got the right guy. Anthony Porter killed those two people. 
It's an utter outrage. It's justice upside down. What would make this right is my freedom. You want to get us started? Yeah. So it, it starts, first of all, there's a lot of narration up in, in this documentary. I don't of, say up in things. Buffoonery, <laughs> up in whatever. Yeah, there's a lot of narration. It wasn't my favorite part. To me, it felt kind of like Dateline-y. Yeah, but there were some times where I'm like, oh, that's super helpful. Yes, 100%. Awesome. But it totally threw me off at yeah. the same time. <laughs> so, balance. <laughs> You um, took your funny pills today. Did I? Yeah. Great. Oh, yeah. This is what happens when I need to like re-up my ADHD meds. I'm oh, just good. You crazy. should just get off them. They're the most popular podcast on the internet. <laughs> Mike's like, you're super fun when you're not on your meds. Um, so we start with this on-screen text, which sort of blew my mind because uh-huh. it says that like, while everyone is presumed innocent until proven guilty, the production doesn't guarantee any accuracy of anything that's said <laughs> in the following four hours, seemingly. Totally. And I was like, Huh. That's interesting. You haven't because seen that before. There's so much back and forth and like who did it and who didn't do it. I feel like the the they're like they're, let's just cover our bases. But it's very clear yeah. what their their agreed. Point agreed, is. agreed. So we meet Anthony Porter and it's this whole thing. The first opening credits, like the first ten minutes, are basically how Anthony Porter was an innocent man sitting on death row and these Northwestern journalism students saved his life got him out, got him exonerated, and it's a whole big thing. I'm frankly outraged that the state was uh, willing, ready, and able to execute an innocent man, and if it had not been for his attorneys getting a stay uh, on September 21st, my students and I would not have had the opportunity to free him. I will tell you, like, I take really dubious notes as to you. So, mm. like, the first 10 minutes usually takes me, like, an hour, maybe 90 minutes to watch. Yeah. Because I'm, like, I literally, I'm sometimes writing it down just, like, verbatim. Sure, me too. And I would, the whole, because it was a very stop and start for me. And I was, like, number one, that Sean girl is an eager beaver. Number we'll two. We'll get to her. <laughs> Hang on tight, everybody. Sean. All right, girl. I had the opportunity to take David Protess's investigative journalism class, and I ended up working on the case of Anthony Porter. Anthony had come within 50 hours of execution. He received a stay at the last minute, but he didn't receive a stay because anyone thought he was innocent. He received a stay because his IQ had been tested at 51, and there were questions about whether he was competent to be executed. We went and we reenacted the crime. And we found out that the eyewitness who said he had seen Anthony Porter committing the crime couldn't have seen it at all. I do love Sean as a girl's name, though. I'm fine with her name. My (laughs) issue has nothing to do with her name. Then we tracked down the ex-wife of the person we thought was the real killer. And she told us on video that she had been there when her husband committed the crime. The trail led to a man named All Story Simon in Milwaukee. A private investigator obtained a videotaped confession from Simon that he and not Mr. Porter had killed a couple in the park in Chicago in 1982. And Anthony was released on the state's motion two days later. I didn't really know what the premise of this documentary was. Yeah. So as it was going and everyone was getting so happy and everything was like all these hugs and high fives, this guy's walking out of jail and hugging everybody. And I was like, this is not, I don't know what's going to happen, but something bad's going to happen. Right. So then when they're like, but it was all a lie, (laughs) I gasped. And Mike, who was watching it with me, who has been amazing and just letting me pause every time there's a new person or like he's been very patient about it. But he was like, uh, yeah, it seemed a little too easy. Yeah. It's not a 15-minute documentary. Like, uh, something was going to give. Yeah. He was a free man. Through the Northwestern investigation, the guilty guy, All Story Simon, was put in prison, and the innocent guy, Anthony Porter, was released. There was one problem, though. Anthony Porter killed those two people. It was one big lie. So during this beginning 10 minutes when, like, everything's wonderful, we meet a lot of our main players here. Yes. So Anthony Porter, who is convicted of a murder in 1983, he was sentenced to death for the murder of Jerry Hillard and Marilyn Green in uh, the south side of Chicago. Yeah. Yeah. So we meet him. He's out in 1999. He's released after 15 years. They measured him for his coffin, which is an absolutely terrifying thing. That's what he wanted for his last meal. Yeah, horrible. 48 hours away from being executed, and these Northwestern journalists spring him. Students. 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 Journalists, you guys. I want them to. I want them to be like in a like a student driver car. Yeah. These are student journalists. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the ringleader of this whole thing is David Protest. Protest. They say it a bunch of times. He's a piece of shit. So I don't care if I get his name right. Um. <laughs> 
Um, and the he, bell is back, it's you guys. Back, you guys. Wild <laughs> abandoned. <laughs> and he, David, is the the leader of Northwestern's Innocence Project, and he and his students helped free this guy. Yeah, we hear like the star witness recanted the testimony. We get like a real like speed. We just speed through this whole thing. Then we meet Paul Cialino, oh, PI, yeah. private investigator. Ding. <laughs> Not, I really missed the bell. <laughs> not, not. I'm not digging that he's a private investigator. No, 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 no. He no. is just awful. Yeah. Then I'm just like, oh my god, the wife of the guy who really killed him is singing like a canary. <laughs> Spoiler: she's full of shit. <laughs> and then there's like this taped confession of uh-huh. Al Story Simon saying like, "Yep, I walked up to those teenagers and killed them." So this was like a major, major, major story. And it was kind of like two major things happened. How were these kids able to like solve this murder right. when the police and the detectives couldn't? And number two, you guys, this became the thing that made the governor of Illinois end the death penalty in Illinois. I'm commuting the sentence to all death row inmates. 167 of them. Everything that I had believed in about the criminal justice system was now coming into question with the botched conviction of Mr. Porter. And he was just like, what? Someone, what? There's rumors <laughs> that this isn't a thing? Death penalty gone. Which is great that the death yes. penalty's gone, but it's yes. kind of like, girl, that's a quick, wow. <laughs> that's a quick turnaround, Yeah, girl. wow, okay. Yeah. So then we meet Charles Salvatore. Oh my God. I thought of you the second he came on screen. The most Chicago, Chicago <laughs> accent. My first reaction was, oh my God. It's like, the, it's like Jake and or Elwood Blues. I was so here for it. He's sitting there, oh my God. My first reaction was, oh my God. Don't tell me we almost put an innocent man to death. It was the most emotional time in my life. Don't tell me we almost put an innocent man to death. <laughs> That's death, everybody. They don't really do the TH up in Chicago. <laughs> I took, tell the people, tell our friends listening, what did I do the second I saw this Salvatore guy? Oh, you sent me a video of it. You didn't say, like, don't you love the Chicago retired no. detective? You just sent me a straight-up video of him saying, oh, my God. <laughs> we almost put an innocent man to death. Oh, uh, yeah. But he's kind of awesome because his whole thing is like, what did I do wrong? Yes. Oh, my God. He takes it on himself. You know what you texted right back to me that I loved? You're like, it's so great to get to root for the cops again. Yeah, and you do every yeah. second. Because it becomes very clear. That these guys, because then we meet like all these other cops and they're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. (laughs) How did we screw this up so bad? I was confused and actually I got depressed over it. What did I do wrong? I prided myself in conducting good investigations. It, It just blew me away. They are happy that this guy is getting off death row if he didn't do it. Right. And they're putting it all on themselves. Totally. And they feel really guilty about it. I prided myself on, you know. Everyone in Chicago really makes like some really hasty decisions. I know. You hear one thing and suddenly your whole ideology is out the window. Since when? So now Porter is suddenly like, oh, oh, by the way, now that I'm out, I'm going to sue the cops because I was tortured by them. Porter's contention, according to the lawsuit, was uh, that we manufactured the case. I got railroaded, tortured. They railroaded him. So they was like stomping me and calling me names, put the bag on my head, suffocating me. And I'll never forget that long as I live. Do you know what I have in my notes in huge Jillian blue letters? What? Girl, sit quietly. Shut the fuck sit up. Sit quietly. If yeah. you got out of jail, you guys, spoiler alert, he did it. Right. Like, this guy really he did it. He absolutely did it. If you know anything about this movie, you know that he did it. Right. You're going to sue? You got out of jail two days before you were about to die. Right. These kids, these dummies sprung you from jail. Right. And you're going to now sue? Girl, sit quietly. Sit quietly. Well, the thing is, like, the other side of that is when you get out of prison, they said that he had an IQ of 51. Yeah. Um, He can't, like, have a career. Yeah, that's true. As a convicted felon. Yeah. But at the same time, again, you guys, just lie better. Right. Do better. (laughs) If you're going to lie... All you have to say is, hey, I didn't do it. I was wrongfully convicted. Right. Pay up, Chicago. Right. You don't have to make up a lie about it. That's enough. Totally. You changed the law of the land. Yep. Be- yep. I mean, it's changed because of you. That's fine, you guys. That would be enough. Just stop it. And then and then that's when the cops are like, all right, there's something going on. <laughs> we didn't torture that guy. Oh, my God. To be accused of being a racist 
by the lawsuit, that made me angry. That ain't me. We're professionals. We didn't operate that way. Are we not going to talk about Geraldine? Oh, we're going to talk about <laughs> Geraldine. Because Geraldine is the only one who's like, can we pause real quick? Because I didn't buy it for a second. Right. And I knew that he had no business suing me because I had not done anything wrong, nor had any of the other police officers. She's like, yeah, all these other, all these weak men are all like upset about it. She's like, right. I knew from the get go we got the right guy and this is all fucking bullshit. And I hate David Protest and those students. I clocked her one minute in as like, oh, my mom would have had a crush on Geraldine. <laughs> yeah. Well, she's out here for your shit. Let no, me tell you that no, right no, no, no. now. And that that's exactly like that's exactly right. And so they they hire this lawyer who just has a grin on his face the whole time. Uh-huh. And he's like, "We have to retry this whole case from start to finish." But like 5 6 7 8 from the top places, <laughs> let's go. We're doing it. This is not a dress rehearsal, you guys. This is the real thing. Get those sequins on. <laughs> Doing no it. marking full out. No, Let's mar- do don't this. you dare mark. No, Geraldine is not gonna. <laughs> not have here for it. your marking. No. Walter Jones was hired to defend the city of Chicago against Porter's civil suit. When I got called by the mayor's office, and they said it's not a case that we are prepared to fold on because we have some police officers who are adamant that they never did anything wrong, and we must show the jury that he was guilty beyond a reasonable doubt. Because if we don't do that, that verdict is going to be $24 million. So now we go back to, like, the first investigation. Yes. How did he get arrested and convicted the first time? You're doing a really good job. Thanks. <laughs> you were a little nervous about I this really one, had right? a hard, I had a hard time with this yeah, one. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot to cover here. I got you, girl. August 15, 1982. The community has a, a big parade which ends at Washington Park, and it's a day of celebration in the black community with picnicking and games, and there were thousands of people in the park. It's called the Bud Billiken Parade, and it was like a really big deal in the black community in the south side of Chicago. Yeah, thousands of people. And it dies down around 7 or 8, because everyone's been partying all day, and the cops yeah. are like, dude, girl, like by 8 o'clock, everyone's exhausted. This and is that's how you can great. tell it's not gay pride, because we are just getting started at 8. At 8 o'clock, he's like, it was pretty quiet. <laughs> Pretty quiet oh, in the not streets. Pride. No. Not pride. Here, here's what's happening that night. So at this point, it's like after midnight. It's like one in the morning. It's super hot, and there's a pool that like is stupidly accessible. Yeah, all you have to do is hop the fence. It's 1982. On a hot night, people got over the fences or through the fences. They swam. Actually, harmless fun. They didn't have enough police working that night to chase them out, and I don't think we would have chased them out anyway. They were all remembered how hot it was that day, yeah. so they were like, just let the kids swim. And exactly. I'm like, rooting for the cops. I'm yeah. here for it. So this is where we see Jerry. This is where we learn a little bit about like the situation with Jerry and Marilyn, the victims. Right. There's like a handful of kids swimming in the pool. Mm-hmm. Jerry and Marilyn are sitting up in the bleachers, mm-hmm. and they're just kind of talking. Yeah. And there are just like a couple of other people there. Yeah. So then we meet William Taylor, and yeah. he's the star witness against Porter in 1983. So remember when I was like, and the star witness recanted, oh my God, what a big deal. Exactly. William Taylor. Taylor comes out of the pool, and he starts to dry off, and he hears shots. And he turns around to the north side of the bleachers, where he hears the shots coming from. Taylor says he sees Porter at Point Blake range pointing the gun at a male victim and he sees Porter fire the gun, and the victim falls back. Taylor then says he sees Porter shoot the victim again. After the shots are fired, Porter runs down the stairs, right down this walkway from the north towards me to the south. I looked up and I saw him running down the steps right past me out to South Bay. They find Marilyn's necklace. The police later find her necklace at the scene and they think maybe the motive was robbery. Because she was shot through her hand and her neck like she was yeah. trying to hold on to the necklace somehow. It's the most heartbreaking thing, you guys. It's, it's so heartbreaking. Awful. And this documentary does that garbage awful thing where they just cuts to photos of the dead bodies with the bullet holes in the blood. Right. And you're like, guys, no warning. I know. I know. It's hard. Remember when Aunt Diane came tumbling out of the van? I, I can't. I think I about it. It's one of those things where I'll be walking down the street and it yeah. just like is in my head and I'm like, great, now it's going to be there for another week. Right. <laughs> <sighs> Marilyn stumbles, staggers out of the park. She came out this north gate towards the parking lot right when Officer Anthony Liace was pulling up in his squad car. She was holding her neck, 
pointing towards the bleachers. Now, the way this was filmed was very jarring. She's holding her neck, bleeding from the neck. The two cops see her, mm-hmm. basically pat her on the back, and are like, be on your way, young lady. Right. And, and run into the park to see what was happening. Right, they like kind of shove her into one cop car. Yeah. And they're like, to the hospital. Right. And then they run into the pool. And then... Two other officers see a guy running from the scene. Officers Liace and Anderson ran south behind the bleachers and saw a man fleeing the area. They stopped and frisked the man. Finding no weapon, they let him go. You guys, this is this is mind-boggling to me. Mm-hmm. You don't even want to like just hang on to him for a few minutes to like until you get the lay of the scene. Just ask him a question. Get a witness statement. I know. So now we get a little more information on Anthony Porter. Yeah. So what's happening is the police are questioning these two guys, Henry Williams and William Taylor. And Williams was robbed at gunpoint by the guy. Porter. By Anthony Porter, like minutes before Anthony Porter went into the bleachers and shot and killed those two kids. Right, he got two bucks from him, and he's like, I'm letting you off easy, and then walked and killed the teenagers. Right. So then, here's the thing. So now we get, like, into the, the students, right? So these are the students that would ultimately, these are the Northwestern students that would ultimately do this like journalism project that gets Anthony off. Right. So cut to 1999. Yeah. First of all, we don't even know how they hear about this case. They're just suddenly all super invested in this case in 1999 right. for whatever reason. Yeah. So they go and Sean, Eager Beaver Sean, <laughs> is also incredibly cocky about all of this. Yeah. So what they do is they go to the pool and they reenact the crime. And we found out that the eyewitness who said he had seen Anthony Porter committing the crime, couldn't have seen it at all. You guys, this is unbelievable. So from their, in their findings, because I have to be all smart because it's Northwestern, (laughs) in their findings, um, they say like, no, William Taylor never could have seen it because his view would have been obstructed because there's a big gate there now. Right. So then our friend Chicago Salvatore, whatever his name is, that's a good mob name. Yeah. Yeah. He's like, I saw the crime photos. I says to myself, I says, this is wrong. <laughs> he, he, you guys, he does it. I says to myself, it's amazing. I says. I saw the crime photographs and I says, wait a minute. This is wrong. They're wrong. The students were not examining the actual crime location and were unaware that the obstructions they cited in 1999 weren't in the bleachers in 1982. What we learn here is that these kids that have gone back to the crime scene to reinvestigate, like, didn't do the basic research right. of learning that the crime scene that they're looking at in 1999 right. is different than the, how it was in 1981. They never bothered to look and see if if it there were gates were different, right. if there were things that, like there were no gates in 1982. Right. The the view was not obstructed. Exactly. So then this is their thing where it's like William Taylor never could have seen it. And we're off and running. And like because of that, there's no way that Anthony Porter could have possibly done this. These are Northwestern journalism students. It's like the number one journalism school (laughs) in the country. These kids did not do basic. Yeah basic research yeah that blew my mind right because they want it they it's the it's the whole thing of like well this is the narrative and we're just going to do what we can to, uh-huh. to, to exactly to match exactly. it up so now we're back in 1982 we're sort of back at the crime scene and we get this like we sort of get this overview about how like there was like 800 people there like literally there were four other guys <laughs> there were four other witnesses all of whom saw anthony porter commit this murder and they're all saying his name like it's the most obvious thing in the world because you know how filmmakers kind of say and who was there that day yeah. and they're like anthony how many it's Anthony Porter. How many times do I have to say it? Like, I don't understand. So, you know, they established that there was all these witnesses right. that were there that night. Once again, we cut back to the Northwestern students and we're seeing their deposition in front of the grand jury. They never talked to any of the witnesses that corroborated the fact that Anthony Porter committed this murder. And the Northwestern students didn't even talk to those four witnesses. Did you interview any of those people? No, we didn't because they all said it was too dark to see anything, I think. That's what I thought they said. That's just completely false. And for her to say that is just mind-boggling to act like the people in the park were inconsequential. Were you aware that Kenneth Edwards identified Anthony Porter as the shooter that night? No, I guess I didn't see that part of the police report. Sean's like, well, I guess I just didn't see that part of the police report. Sean! Mm-mm. This only works if you want to work for TMZ for the rest of your life. This is not real Either fucking Beaver, journalism. Sean. Sean. And she's like, yeah, well, uh, it, they confessed. It's on video. Right. Sean. Speaking of on video, then we see David protest their teacher in one of his grand jury 
interrogations yeah. or whatever. And he is all attitude. Would you expect your students to interview all people who claim to have witnessed a crime, the underlying crime? No. Why not? Because many times they can't be found. No one even attempted to find any of these witnesses. David Protest admitted that in his grand jury testimony. And the thing is, they admit it. They're all so cocky. Like, I know. They're all like, well, no, they're we didn't indignant. talk to them. And th- I think what they kind of think is like, well, if they're working for, for and with the Innocence Project and they got now, sh- now Illinois doesn't have the death penalty anymore, that like the, right. the ends justify the means. But it's like, but then there's no actual justice and somebody else is now in jail for a crime he didn't commit there are plenty of innocent people in prison pick one of them right right <laughs> pick one of them there are plenty and not say it i mean there are plenty plenty oh yeah this was weird yeah so because there are eleven thousand witnesses yeah that now we're back to 1982 again guys. right right because there are eleven thousand witnesses there was an arrest warrant made for him but he turned himself in before they could arrest him and was like i'm turning myself in for the murders but i had nothing to do with the murders you guys <laughs> You guys. This is where we find out, and I thought of you immediately, that this guy Porter kicked, a just randomly one day kicked a dog. He's guilty. He's guilty of everything. (laughs) Once that's a thing, like, fuck you, garbage. (laughs) So what what they're doing is now, like, he's found guilty. Because everyone on the south side of Chicago saw him do this, and he's like a known mean person in the street. (laughs) He's a bad man. Stealing from old people and kicking dogs. Who does that? So, and Hero Bell for the dog. How about that? So what they're trying to do is they're, they're, do, they're de- trying to d- determine if he should get the death penalty or not. So it's all these character witnesses saying what a piece of shit this guy is. And so then we hear the story and someone was like, um, yeah, uh, uh, so Anthony, Anthony Porter kicked my dog. And um, when I said, like, excuse me, sir, please don't kick my dog, he um, shot me in the face. And you're like... I'm not, not laughing at the response. The and because the guy lives. Like, he's right. not even good at it. Like, he, like, grazed. It gets grazed in the he, face. He goes to shoot the guy. The guy, like, moves over a little. And it just grazes his ear or something. Right. And right. He's, he was just like, I just moved over. And I'm like, I'm going to I want to kick Anthony Porter. I know. Can somebody kick, kick that him? Dog. Uh, don't call him a dog. That's mean to dogs. Dogs don't deserve this. They do not deserve this. Douglas McGee testified that in 1979, Anthony Porter robbed him and viciously beat him. That robbery and beating took place in Washington Park in the very same bleachers as the murders. Judge Robert Sklodowsky sentenced Porter to death by lethal injection and likened Porter to a shark that returns to the same feeding ground. So now the students and the professor are like, we're looking for the truth, you guys. And all our Chicago cops are like, that's actually laughable. Right. Like, we're, we're not. That's ridiculous. No, you're not. You're, you totally have an agenda. David Protest sends Paul Cialino an email and says... Now it's your turn to find people. Here's what I have on the guy we're almost certain was the killer in the crime for which Anthony Porter faces death. They pick a guy named Alstory Simon, who they think is guilty because his name came up like once or twice, but there was no evidence that he had anything to do with it. But they they kind of found his name. They decide he's guilty. And this is where they hire that garbage P.I. to go gather the dirt. How about when the students go to see Porter in jail? Oh, my God. Our friend, this bitch, Sean. Yeah. She's like, well, the reason we were going to meet him was to ask him if he committed the crime. But the first thing he said was that he was innocent. And I've heard people say that before, but he was more convincing. He really meant it. (laughs) Are you kidding me? Sean, how did you get into Northwestern? I mean, (laughs) you dummy. Right. And even like other, other... Journalists, other students, I should say. I keep wanting to call them journalists when no, they're, they're so obviously students. not. It's they're kind of not kids. their fault. Like they're they they're just they, like they're students. Yeah, and one of them is even like, no, no, no. Uh, it was all about freeing him. That sounds to me like Professor Protest was teaching his students advocacy, not journalism. A grand juror asked another student, Sion Rhodes, "What would you say is the objective of your assignment you were given?" I believe the objective would be to find any evidence. Interview anyone you could that would lead you to freeing this man. So there you have an honest answer. It wasn't about finding the truth. It was about freeing Anthony Porter. Because she's like, we're investigating his innocence. And the grand juror is like, or or guilt, right? Right. (laughs) Or guilt. Like, they say that in the transcript. And she's like, no, our professor told her just innocence. Right, exactly. So So then we meet Tom McCann. 
Relation to the shoe store? No relation to we the shoe know. store? Who cares? He's an idiot. <laughs> He's another dumb kid. So wait, tell us. This is where they get the the key witness to recant. Tell us the story, Jillian. Right. Well, they he's the only witness, according to them. Right. Not true. Not true. Right. William Taylor. So Tom McCann, who's a 19-year-old kid. They get, by the way, they get like a really hot guy to play him in the in like the reenactments. And the regular kid is super not hot. Mm, he's like a 19-year-old <laughs> journalism student. Like it's exactly what you think he would be. <laughs> and he called and harassed William Taylor until he talked to him. He wanted to talk about the Tony Porter case. I said, look, I'm through with this. I don't want to be bothered. Don't call here anymore. And hung up. So what do they do? They just saunter up right to his house. <laughs> Hello, Mr. Taylor. I know Sarah Koenig all over again. <laughs> hey, um, I know you said you don't want to talk about it. but And I know you think that he's totally guilty. But we think you should have a change of heart. Like the mafia. <laughs> think you should have a change of heart. Think you should have a change of heart. So they convince him to change his story. They do what corrupt cops do when right. they want a false confession. They got him to be like, well, maybe I didn't see it. I don't know how that went down, but uh, they had basically convinced me that I didn't see him shoot anybody, but I did see him run out of the park. And I said, well, maybe I did make a mistake, but I don't think I did. But I said, okay. If this is the way they want to play this, I'll, yeah, I'll play the game, you know, just to get them out of my hair. Because then the cycle of calling my job, upsetting my life again. I wanted it done. I wanted it over with. Like, I'll sign it if you go away. I don't care. I just want it. So Paul Cialino was like, I got you, girl. Writes up the <laughs> statement. Writes it up. Right. And then he reads it on the news. They just hand it to him. But the part that they that they leave out of the affidavit is the part where he's like, okay, fine, may, maybe I guess you're saying I didn't see him right. shoot the guy, but I definitely saw him running away. I definitely saw Porter running away. Right. And they leave that completely out of the affidavit. How convenient. Exactly. They're all going to be really great corrupt cops when they grow up. And like, what kind of journalists are they hoping to be? TMZ. You know, not to take too much of a detour, but I was thinking about like basic journalistic ethics, mm-hmm. right? I don't know. I don't know about journalist, journalistic ethics. I don't really know what they are. But you would think that Northwestern students in the journalism program would know. Right. You would think that like like learning how to bully a witness is like isn't on the syllabus. Right. Right. Like, because I think that they haven't been taught yet that you don't get an answer and work backwards. That like you investigate the facts and you you go where the facts lead you. Right. It just seems like they were all absent that day. Right. They haven't seen all the president's men clearly. <laughs> Or you in your high school production of 12 Angry Jurors. I mean, <laughs> brought the house down. <laughs> I object. <laughs> this is funny. This is where when we see like Tom in his grand jury testimony, yeah. he's like, I don't fucking know. I'm just a college student. Right. This is the question from state's attorney Gaynor. But Tom, what did you tell us your purpose was? What were you doing this for? To find the truth. But I'm a college student. I mean, this took a long time. Finally, one of these kids is like, you guys, I'm just like, I'm supposed to be learning here. Right. This, we're not Woodward and Bernstein. Like, we're supposed to be learning. I know. Oh, God. I am worked up. It might be the Red Bull. I'm noticing a trend. <laughs> so now now we go into this alternate suspect, Al Story Simon. Yes. The guy that they're going to pin this on. Right. So what we learn is that Al Simon. Yeah was home at the time of the murders and he has an alibi for that. And then they ended up moving from Chicago to Milwaukee because there was like so much gang activity around and near their home. And I was like, oh my God. So they moved. And this is one of the things that like sort of made him look suspicious. Right. Like Marilyn, one of our victims, her mother is like, well, that's all I needed. He moved. So he must have been involved. Exactly. Which again is one of those things where like if someone showed up and was like, I know this guy did it. And also is a little, a little suspicious that he's not here anymore. Like that's, I mean, they're just taking advantage of all these very vulnerable and sad people. So in 1999, the, the teacher, what's his name? This David protest, this bitch. I hate (laughs) I know. I know. I hate him. This guy, this, this teacher, David Protest, takes two female students. Right. To, number one, this is already problematic. Gets them in his car, uh-huh. drives them to Milwaukee, uh-huh. to this guy's house, like in the middle of the night, where he sends them inside. Right. The house of a possible murderer. The house of the guy that you think is a murderer. You just send Air these, quotes. Right. Which you don't. That, that also proves to me that he knows that they, this guy didn't do it. Right. Protest sits in the car. It's late at night. The two students knock on the front door. Now, Story Simon invites them in, closes the door, says, how can I help you? He sends these two young girls. 
I, when shit like this happens, all I can think about, like if that were Daisy, oh yeah, murder. Well, she wouldn't do it because she's not an idiot. Right. <laughs> she wouldn't get into a car at right. midnight, drive right. to Milwaukee, and knock on somebody's door at two in the morning and go in by herself. Right. It's just, it just wouldn't happen. Meanwhile, this guy Al Story just like politely invites them into his house, and he's like, "What can I help you with, young ladies?" Right. But he asked me, "Did Jerry Hewlett and Marilyn Green ring a bell?" I said, "Yeah, it ring a bell." So what's that got to do with me? I told them, you know, the uh, truth that I didn't know nothing about their deaths. The interview only lasted for maybe like five or ten minutes. He's like, I know nothing at all. Would you right. like some more lemonade? Like, I have nothing. <laughs> Iced tea, water, whatever you want. The girls come out, go to the car. The teacher goes to the door to talk to him. Right, like, that's when he decides to introduce himself. Right. When the students walks across the street, Professor Protus, he tells me that a man is getting ready to die for something I did. And I said, what, what, what do you mean for something I did? What, what are you talking about? And then he tells me um, that we know that you killed Jerry and Marilyn. I said, man, I ain't killed nobody, man. Whoever telling you that stuff is sending you for a ride. You get the hell away from me and, and, and don't come to my house no more. And he left. Bye. <laughs> he drives off into the night. Vroom, as yeah. Anthony Weiner would say. Right. All right. This next part is a little bit in the weeds. Take us. Can, can you give us just like take us through it? Right. Here. Here's what. Here's what I gather. Yeah. Here's me trying to be a journalism student. This the was best really I can. hard for me to follow. You guys. There's so many names. Right. So Al Simon, the guy that they're pinning it on. Yeah. We learn that Anthony Porter set this whole thing up from prison, from jail, to get Al Simon involved. Like Anthony Porter did it from prison. So here's what we know. So Porter was serving time with this guy. Some guy. Some guy. And he's actually Al Story Simon's nephew. Okay. Right. His aunt is Inez, who's Al Simon's ex-wife. Okay. Right. So Porter, Anthony Porter was serving time with him and he like saved him from being murdered on the prison oh, playground right. or something. You guys, there's this whole thing where this young girl is just talking about people getting shanked. Anthony Porter heard about it or either his roommate told him about it. But it was going down one day for Walter to be shanked on the playground of the prison. Him and some of his foot soldiers. And um, Walter didn't go outside. And the foot soldiers were shanked. She says shanked 800 times, and it is so jarring. And the term foot, sh- foot soldiers? I know. It's like, oh my God. <laughs> so he was going to be shanked along with shanked. his foot soldiers, you guys. This is some serious shit. And the foot soldiers were shanked. I feel ridiculous saying it. <laughs> they were. But this guy was like miraculously spared, right? right? So now Porter was like, hey, remember how I totally saved your life and you weren't shanked that one time? Yeah. So if you help me... In return, here's what I can do for you. I know this David Protest guy over at Northwestern. This teacher, the this bitch teacher. Right, who's going to help you get out of prison and just give you money. Oh my God. All you have to do is like say that your aunt's boyfriend, Al Story, did this murder. Right, and then he's like, oh, to really sweeten the deal, Al Story Simon's ex-wife, her son was in prison too. So David Protest is like, sweeten the deal. I'll throw him in for free. Get And I'll get him out of prison too. Yeah. So when you're thinking like two of my family members can get out of prison for this. And Inez like kind of hated Al Story Simon. So right. she was in. Garbage. You guys, I did not. I don't know what's. I still don't know what's happening. Yeah. It's ridiculous. So here's what the students did though. This yeah. is such garbage bullshit. The students took Inez grocery shopping. And bought her a space heater. It gets cold in Chicago, you guys. And then they went to Sean's house, Eager Beaver Sean, and videotaped this bullshit statement about this whole story about drug money and a fight and nothing that was in any other statement that the cops had. Like, it's all, she just told a crazy story that had nothing to do with anything. And do you realize who shot them? He did, because he was the only one standing there. And he is? Al Stover Simon. She told the story about being there. She was there and witnessed the shooting herself. No. And she says, I have this in like bold. She so she says, I heard two gunshots. I heard two gunshots. And you hear off camera. You heard at least two, right? Okay. This I is know. every false confession you've ever heard. This is exactly it. Totally. Then we see Inez being questioned by the cops. And she's just like doubling down on her story, which everyone just knows is bullshit. But she's like, it happened at 10 p.m. Everyone says 1 a.m. Right. She didn't know the number of gunshots. You heard two shots, right? Three. 
You heard three shots? It happened so fast. I heard bang, bang, bang. It might have been another bang. But well, how many shots did you hear? Really three, maybe four. I don't know. And then they say, yeah, but in the videotape you said, and she's like, I know what I said. She's so <laughs> mad and so frustrated because they have her on everything. Right. You did not say in that videotape statement that you heard three or four shots, did you? I said I heard two shots, maybe three. He wrote down two. But in the videotape statement, you didn't say... I said I heard some shots. You didn't well, say you heard three or four shots, did you? You said you heard two shots. I don't remember. She's like, that's not, well, I didn't say that, but that's what he wrote down. And they're like, girl, do you not know what a videotape is? Right, right, We right. have you saying it and not saying it. And she's mad. <laughs> she's so pissed about it. She's like, I know that. She's clutching her temple. She's like, I, I know. know that I said that on the videotape, but that's not what I said. You guys, it's so much easier to just not lie. You know what I mean? Right. You don't have to remember all this stuff. Just don't lie about shit. Then we just cut to, in 2005, the deathbed confession. Inez is super sick. She's on her deathbed. She yeah. doesn't want to go to her grave with this. She recants everything. She taped a 30-minute confession. I know. I lied. I lied. And she's like, I was really angry at my ex-husband. Who is our story. Right. And I wanted to get my family members out of prison. And also, I was mad at my husband. You guys, if you're mad at someone, <laughs> there are better ways. Talk it out, maybe. <laughs> Don't put them in prison for a double murder. And I thought you go to zero, you go to a hundred. No way, no way. She is out of control. I'm with this. probably not ever going to put you in jail for a double murder. I don't know for sure. We'll see. Don't cross me, <laughs> you guys. Tell my story. Make a documentary about me. So now protests in like such a garbage move is now just like calling everyone involved in the case and offering them money from these book rights and this movie that doesn't exist yet that right. ends up existing as a CBS TV movie or whatever. Right. So what he's doing is though he's making these cash, these money offers on Northwestern stationery. I know. How is he a professor at Northwestern? I know. I know. And, and, and like he's putting it in writing. That's the other thing. Yes. These people are so stupid. Yeah. It reads as follows. Stop by to see you about something important have information for you that should be helpful financially. Financially is underlined. He's just paying people for statements, paying people to lie, promising yeah. them the world, and they're like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> sure. All right. I love a good TV movie. <laughs> or whatever. So here's what they do now. Paul Cialino, private investigator, yeah. goes to Al Story, Simon's house, on February 3rd, 1999, to get him to confess. You guys, Al's story. I don't know. I, I don't he even tells know where to us begin. the story from jail. It's the most heartbreaking thing because he is crying and it's a nightmare. It's horrible. He he tell, he starts the story off of being like, well, I've been up for three days and three nights smoking the crack cocaine. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> I was like, girl, that is not healthy. Mm. That girl, sweetheart, that is not healthy. Don't no, do that. No, But when they show up at six o'clock in the morning, he's out of his goddamn mind. When I open the door, is Paul Cialino and Arnold Reed. They was armed with weapons and uh, had a video camera and a tripod and badges. They claimed to be police investigators from Chicago investigating the 1982 homicide and bogarted their way on into the house. Paul Cialino shows up with guns with some other asshole. <laughs> and they're pretending to be cops. Right. Which is super illegal. Is it? He says it's not. But like impersonating an officer? Right. Just because yeah. you're a PI, you can do whatever the fuck you want. Get me that PI badge. Can I, I go to weekend PI school if I can do whatever I want? So Cialino, he tells me, uh, we know you did these murders. You're going down for these murders. And there's nothing you're going to be able to do about it. I'm telling them, man, I don't know nothing about no murders, man. What are you talking about? I said, man, just get out of my house, man. He said, no, we're not going anywhere. You better look at the evidence. And I'm going to show you this is why we think you did it. As we're going through the story, there's all this like on-screen text about like what is the sign of a false confession? Right. And ever, like being intoxicated, being bullied, being tired, under duress, coercion, not understanding the situation. You want to get out of the situation quickly. Yeah, empty promises. They got right. it all. They checked every single one off the box. Again, this guy is fucked up out of his mind. But he does, and this is what's so heartbreaking too. He says 
numerous, numerous times. This is ridiculous. Get out of my house. And they won't leave. They block the door. They yeah. block the phone. And they really, like, they start playing him these videotaped confessions. He popped this tape in. And here's this Afro-American male person up there on this tape claiming that he was at Washington Park and actually saw me shoot and kill Marilyn Green and Jerry Hillett. You guys, the people on the tapes were actors. Actors. A story Simon did not know that this African-American making these allegations on this videotape was an actor hired by Cialino and scripted by Cialino. It's absolutely terrifying. And he hasn't slept in three days and he's still high. Right. I mean, come on. And he's just like afraid for his life they start telling him that if he'll just sign this affidavit and say that he did it they'll they'll make it understood that it was a self-defense crime we'll help you we'll just help say you. what you want and we'll that's help another you. coercion absolutely tactic. and and still he's like are you kidding me like even even then he tried so hard to just stay strong right and then paul cialino this fucking thug wannabe thug pulls out a gun and is like we can do this the easy way or we can do this the hard way i wanted the man out of my house so bad and I asked him, I said, well, well, what do you want me to do? So he picked up the papers that he showed me. He started writing on stuff on a piece of paper and underlining the different stuff and then told me, I want you to say this on camera. Cialino pulls out a video camera. They rehearse. They, they rehearse it. It's they, the day of the show, y'all. It's, <laughs> it's horrible. They show, they actually, they show the actual videotaped confession. You see him looking down, reading the paper. Mm-hmm. Before I knew anything, you know, like, yeah, I, I just pulled it up and started shooting. Now, uh, what kind of weapon did you have? I had a thirty-eight. Was that a revolver? Yes, it was. Okay. Is the time on the confession is 8 a.m. Uh-huh. They have been badgering him for hours, hours. All night long. Yeah, so then the crazy thing is this confession does not go to the cops. It goes to CBS television. Right, so it's on the news. Yeah. And then the state releases Porter based on, like, the CBS news brief. Less than two days after the video of the alleged confession was broadcast by the media, state's attorney Richard Devine made the decision to release Mr. Porter from custody. At the time this decision was made, no one from the state's attorney's office had received a copy of the original video which purported to contain the confession of Alstory Simon. The state released Porter without even having the confession tape in their possession. They say, they literally just opened the door to his jail cell and they're like, bye girl, and bye. Him, and like kick him out. Right. <laughs> and then he's out. Yeah. I mean, in what universe does that even happen? And then it cuts to Paul Cialino and he's like, yep, I totally bullied him. I'm allowed to do whatever I want. What are you, you going to say no something rules. about it? Right. I don't have any rules. Supreme Court says I can lie, cheat, do anything I can to get him to say whatever I got to, to get him to say. The Chicago Police Department is masters at it. So is every other police department. And then we meet all these people who were like, uh, yeah, I was I was bullied by Paul Cialino. Yep. Hey, girl, yeah. me too. Hey, me too. And they're like, oh, did he did he block the phone? Did he right. pull the gun out? Did totally. he do the thing with the actor in the videotape? And everyone's like, yes. <laughs> so this is like what? It's part of his package, I guess. It's on his website. The Bull Rush Bullying False did Confession Package. Did he do the package. thing with the actor did in the videotape? Yeah, totally. And, oh, and then, and then oh. Cialino gets... Paul Zilino is like, oh, but girl, after you sign this confession, we're going to get you a lawyer. No worries. You're barely going to serve any time. Yeah. It's going to be all good. So this lawyer, another this bitch, shows up, and he basically is like, there's so much it. evidence, you just kind of, you don't have any choice. And it turns out <laughs> mean. that this lawyer just is Paul Zilino's personal attorney. Uh-huh. And like business partner, an old friend, they were probably each other's best man at their wedding. Like just right. some ridiculous thing. And that- we find out, you guys, my head is going to blow off my shoulders. We find out that this lawyer gives an award to protest the teacher yeah. and those journalism students for getting Porter out of jail mm-hmm. while at the same time negotiating and like convincing this other guy to step in and say that he did this thing. Who are these people who can just do all these things? Lawyers can give out awards now? Since right. fucking when? <laughs> oh, then, <sighs> then, to convince him even further, yeah. they tell him that he's a suspect in another murder in Milwaukee. There was no charges pending against Al. The state's attorney in Milwaukee said they don't have anything on Al Story Simon. He's not involved in the case up in Milwaukee. It was all a lie, a ruse to get him to confess to the Porter murder. And then they convince 
him to show remorse to the family to get a lighter sentence, and he does it. I know, it's I know. It's horrible. But can you imagine at this point, like, you're just confused, and you're like, well, I'm in this deep. This is what I always think in these situations. Yeah. Where they're like, I'm in this deep. Ugh. I have a lawyer. I'm assuming that the lawyer has my best interest at heart. Of course. It's not like you're thinking, I got to get another lawyer. I have a lawyer. Yeah, and you always hear, like, if you show remorse. Right. They, I mean, that's not that's yeah. not a crazy thing. It's bullshit because he didn't do it. But, right. like, that's what they always say, you know? Yeah. We're kind of winding down here. Yeah. This all happens kind of quickly because Al Story Simon reads the transcripts of the grand jury and realizes that his, quote, lawyer lied. And was not on his side. Right. Al Story was not taking this lying down. He got the legal ball rolling for himself from jail. Right. And then we hear, you know, people in the state's attorney's office are like, well, it's a bad look. Yeah. It's a bad look to say we let someone out of prison in four seconds because a bunch of college kids told us to. Right. And then we have this stupid confession that we never even really investigated, but hey, let's do it. And then, like, right. for them to, and then, you know, this is, the, this is the case that made us overturn the death penalty, but it wasn't really real. I mean, you just have to, it's the same thing. You're in it now girl right you gotta right, stay right yeah, it's yeah, like, yeah. Oh, or, or you can do the right thing can but we do that then the the case gets reopened mm-hmm. and al story gets released but the thing is i was like oh thank god he got out right because you kind of never know with these documentaries i know i know is I it know. gonna end with him being like to to help go to gofundme.com right. slash like i didn't know where this was going <laughs> right, but thankfully yeah. it ends with him walking out of prison just finally So Paul Cialino, class act that he is, fucking Uh, piece of garbage, is now attacking the students in the press. And he's like, "Uh, the students don't investigate shit. They do the drudge work. Oh, and I'm like, right. oh, oh, you mean you mean they're not the ones knocking on people's doors at one o'clock in the morning and bullying them and convincing them to into a false confession? Great. Right. How right. small is your peen exactly, Paul <laughs> that you're so fucking insecure? You have to act like a tough guy. And this is when Porter sues the city. Again, girl, sit quietly. Right. He gets nothing. Right. Thank God. Yeah. Uh, protest was suspended. Hero Bell. The teacher, yeah. From teaching in 2011. Cialino and protest, the teacher and the, the um, PI. PI, can't be charged because of this freaking statute of limitations. Right. So even though they did all this crazy shit, which is ridiculous. How is there a statute of limitations on putting an innocent man in prison? I don't know. Right. Um, and because of double jeopardy, Anthony Porter can never be charged with the murder because he was charged once. And and he was pardoned. Pardoned by the governor. Yeah. An official part. So he totally got away with it. And. Um, I mean, I guess the only justice is like, we know the truth. I'm curious to know where Eager Beaver Sean is. Like, did she go like get a job for People Magazine? Like, what is she doing now? Nothing Sean, good. girl, call us. Or not. I don't care. <laughs> I don't want to talk to her. She's going go on TMZ. I'm sure she's there. <laughs> Oh, girl, we did a murder in the park. We did it. People have been asking for this one for quite some time. Yeah, well, we did it. We did it. What are we doing next, girl? We are doing the Galapagos Affair. The Galapagos Affair. There are some characters. Yeah, I I just watched 10 seconds of the trailer. I'm like, I don't need to see anymore. Let's go. (laughs) Let's do it. We got this. Um, you guys, don't forget to check out our Patreon. Again, we are expanding the scope of our Patreon. Oh, man. Beyond the Staircase and Serial and all the other stuff, we're adding a bunch of interviews with directors and with people from the actual stuff that we're covering. Like, yeah. so much stuff on Patreon. Yeah. Patreon subscribers get the first dibs to all of our live events, which we're announcing shortly. Mm-hmm. And then after the Staircase, we're doing the jinx and then making a murderer. You, you guys, guys come Patreon on. is where it is at. Oh. Patreon.com slash TrueCrimeObsessed with the link on our website. Yep. Uh, girl, where can they find us? At True Crime Obsessed on Twitter and TrueCrimeObsessed.com, our fancy pants new website. And where are you? I'm at Jillian with a G. I'm at Patrick Hines underscore on the Twitter, at Patrick Hines on the Instagram. You guys, this week for the Palette Cleanser, it's going to be something random from the Who's Tommy, my favorite musical of all time. Okay. <laughs> Sounds good to me. Uh, you guys, I'm so glad we're back. It was a nice week off, but hey. Hey. You got to work. And we missed you. And we missed you. Yep. And we'll see you next week. Okay, bye. Okay, bye. Wherever you go, wherever you go, you bring yourself. Dora and I are turning our backs on civilization. We have set our hopes on the Galapagos. Why would people leave civilized world come out to a rock? Neither of us could have imagined the strange and sinister drama that would be unleashed upon us all. Floriana is just one mystery on top of another. Our letters home to Germany have been leaked. Friedrich and I have been made to look like a pair of eccentrics escaped from some psychological zoo. 
While reading his words, I realized that the Galapagos is our solution. If the Ritters could do it, so could we. I am highly resentful. We shall resist the establishment of any community. There is now a baroness with several husbands and a machine gun. I've come to establish a grand hotel. After all, woman is capable of everything. I think she might have dreams of being a feudal queen. I am disgusted by her theatricals. We are appalled. We consider them intruders. It was a war. All at once, a long shriek gashed the silence. Everyone seems to have disappeared without a trace. I nearly screamed at the sight before my eyes. I curse you with my dying breath. There are people in this world that just beg to get killed. Bang, bang. Life can make a poor end of fine and admirable beginnings. If you guys don't know that I have attention issues by now, <laughs> if you don't love me at my ADHD, you don't deserve me at my whatever. Meanwhile, this guy, Al Story, is that his name? Al Story? Yeah. I can't say his name. Al Story. It doesn't sound like a name. Just Al say, Story. I know. Al. Al Simon. Yeah. I love a good TV movie. <laughs> Or whatever. There was a time when Helen Hunt was in TV movies, and it was remember a, it was that a glorious time. Yeah. yeah, not like I would go to an investigation. Do you know that I looked into it once? I looked into going to PI school. Yeah, it's like two and a half years. I oh. looked into it once, like two months ago. I want to go to the weekend version. <laughs> I know. No, that's called that's the Cop Academy. All <laughs> oh, right. Damn it. If your child ain't all he should be now, this girl will put him right. I'll show him what he could be now. Just give me one night. I'm a gypsy, the epic queen. Baby, before we start. I'm a gypsy, I'm guaranteed to tear his soul apart. Give us a room and close the door. Boy, no more. Young, but not a child. I'm the gypsy, the queen. I'm I'm guaranteed to tear his soul apart. He'll never be more alive My blood will run through his skin Watch his body